0: Jackie, we do
1: have a quorum.
0: All right. So it's uh, 533, and uh, we'll get this February meeting in order. Uh, happy Valentine's Day to everybody. <laughs> we must all have partners or people in our lives who are uh, willing to let us have a meeting right now instead of going out to dinner. So awesome.
2: <laughs> Jackie, I must apologize. I should have thought about this. Hello. <laughs> My significant other was giving me a hard time about what fool thought about doing this, and I'm thinking this fool here probably could have changed that date for significant others, families, and kids. So <laughs> my apologies for not thinking ahead.
1: Well, um, Chairman Becker, uh, I have the statement. If you want me to go ahead and read at this time, let's do it. All right. Uh, Thank you and good evening i'm Roger Steinbrock the marketing specialist for Lawrence parks and recreation, I have a few housekeeping items for the zoom meeting this meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel cable channel 25 please remember to mute yourself during the meeting unless you are speaking. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please turn off your video. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting. When you are participating, please turn on your video. If you have any trouble, you can send me a message in the chat. Um, Please remember to state your name each time you speak for the benefit of those participating remotely. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. And now I'll turn it back over to Chairperson uh, Becker.
0: All right, well, now that we've had the call to order, we need to approve the minutes from last month. So if all board members could take a look at that and I'm looking for a motion and a second once you've read them over, if no changes.
3: Yeah, get away. Yeah, it's okay.
4: This is Pat Phillips, board member. I'd like to make a motion to approve the minutes.
5: This is John Nelbandian, board member. I'd second that.
0: All right. So we have a motion from uh, member Pat Phillips and a second from Vice Chair John Nelbandian. I'd like to see a raise of hands for all those in favor. And that's five to zero. So no opposed. Thank you. Minutes approved. Uh, next point uh, will be our public comment section. Uh, so Roger, if you can let us know if there's anyone here for public comment versus uh, presentations.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna ask Michael, um, if you are here for public comment, you can turn on your camera. Or are you just uh, listening for the meeting this
6: time?
7: Uh, thank you, Mrs. Um, Michael Allman. I'm here for the presentation. I may have comments later, but nothing at this point. And I apologize; my computer doesn't have a camera. That's <laughs> right, I forgot. Sorry. Thank you.
1: No, no, <laughs> you fine. Thank you, Aaron. Paul, you come in. Okay. And if you can. There is no public comment.
3: All
0: right, then we'll uh, move on to our first order of business, which is an informational presentation on a potential river development site by Aaron Dieters, Executive Director of the Kansas Alliance for Wetlands and Streams. So Aaron, looking forward to having uh, you on and what you're going to present to us.
8: All right, can I share my screen? Yes, go right ahead. If I you can, let me know. Put a few pictures together quick to help. Okay. Yeah, so my name is Aaron Dieters. I am the executive director with the Kansas Alliance for Wetlands and Streams, or COS. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, also on the line today is Bob Marsh. He is the owner of. The Great Blue Heron outdoors on Mass Street in Lawrence, and I think Bob will, will be following me up here with um, a little bit of back and forth. Um, I, yeah, yeah, I'm going to present on a on an opportunity. I think that's a, that could be a potentially great opportunity for the community. Um, it's very in its very infant stages of discussions between the Corps of Engineers and myself and Derek. On an opportunity that could be a great quality of life, quality of place, attraction for, for the local residents. Um, I'll give you a little bit of background on myself first and, and cause. So we are a 501c3 founded in 1996 and our mission is to connect the waters, lands, and people of Kansas and that's a pretty big, pretty broad statement. If you look at our vision, we want, we want lands that are prosperous for people and wildlife we want waters that are clean, plentiful, and protected, and we want to create people who are knowledgeable in sustaining our natural resources. So, um, the bulk of what we do within costs towards water quality um, focuses on the terrestrial habitat practices in the water in the watersheds. Our the biggest program that we deal with is through the KDHE wetland or watershed restoration and protection strategies program to, to uh, address water impairments in the watershed. And these are typically done through terrestrial habitat type practices. But when I started with cause roughly, it'll be a year next month, I wanted to put an emphasis back on streams. I mean, it's in our name, right? So I wanted to have a more of a direct impact and, and do what our name says. And with that, I wanted to to bring more attention to streams and for a couple reasons really i guess um kansas is unique in that we are we're the 49th state in public property public lands and we have pretty strict water laws regarding access you know unlike nebraska and i Iowa, Missouri, and Oklahoma. You know, there's only three public rivers, really two and a half, if you count the state line going through Missouri. We have Missouri, the Kaw, and the Arkansas River are our only public rivers. Other than that, it's sections of rivers that happen to flow through parcels of government, state, federal, city, county, or other NGO properties. And whether or not they're public is is another um, it could be another issue. But those are what we have to work with outside of the three main public rivers. Um, so with that, um, in my previous job working with Kansas Wildlife and Parks and working with communities and working with Lawrence, um, I really got to, to get emerged into river development opportunities not just not just on the Kansas River but it's kind of exploding into other tributaries of the Kansas River. And this is a way that um, I've seen evolve into to getting around that 49th state of public public property, putting people onto these rivers for a greater appreciation um, in order to affect conservation and conservation programs in the uplands. You know, how can, we draw, how can we draw more people when we're so limited on the amount of public rivers that we do have? So the, I really see river development opportunities as a way to engage more public, therefore, more public enjoying the rivers opportunities. And when you enjoy something, when you participate in something, you tend to want to protect that, what you love. So that's why I've been taking this on myself for cause as, as heading this direction with working with communities and exploring opportunities where I see that could really engage the public in a, in a positive way that will help garner more appreciation and advocacy for these public rivers. So with that, uh, working with the designers from Colorado um, on the Lawrence project, on the Topeka project, on all the river symposiums and tours that I've been on across the country. You know, what it really comes back to is these communities across the Midwest and across the nation that are working on river development opportunities. They need two things. You need flow and you need drop. So typically what you're working on are altered sites at low head dams. Um, There's there's a handful of those across the Midwest. And, but when I was, um, in the area one day, and I, I noticed this this fall here on Clinton, on the, on the Wakarusa below Clinton, I mean, I said, well, hey, this is an opportunity and an impaired site. So what we have, if you look at the screen here, is if, for those who aren't familiar with the, the Wakarusa River, but the, uh, the channel that was created in the outlet during the dam construction that ties back to the, the original channel of the Wakarusa, you have this, this rock ledge that was formed over time and created a plunge pool. Uh, that tends to be a, a, a hard place to get to. It's between the the two pieces of property that the city of Lawrence currently leases from the Corps of Engineers. The river itself is, the section is not leased, but it's a fishing spot. Um, it's, you'd be hard pressed to walk down there on a day and not find somebody fishing, but it's also not the easiest to get to. If you have any troubles walking, um, the banks are kind of steep. You can see the erosion that's happening. And then when you get down there, there's not a lot of, maybe safety put in place that we want to attract more people to. So what I have envisioned and what we've kicked around, you know, this pie in the sky type discussions with, with Derek and with the Corps and with Bob is to, is to do some type of development that would create um, greater access, maybe improve the fishing opportunities while maybe making it a unique place for tubers or kayaks to come at certain water flows um, to enjoy the, the day. So from the outlet to where the Corps of Engineers property stops um, roughly right here, that's about a mile and a half of river. If you go from the Yellow Pin to the core property, it's about a mile. Um, there's opportunities to, to take out, but I'll get to that here maybe in a little bit, but um, move on to the next slide. To give examples of what I'm talking about. If you look here in Charles City, Iowa, it's a, it's a small town, Back in 2011, I mean, they were the first ones in Iowa to really kick this type of development off. It's, a, again, an impaired site, a low head dam. It was a safety issue. And on the right, the after picture is what it looks like today, where they create these pinch points and these, these stone terraced drops and pinch points that are aesthetically a ple- um, pleasing. And here's a couple of pictures here of what they look like on the site. And this picture on the right, it's unique. It's that. You've got guys or your folks out there in kayaks and these two kids fishing right beside them. And again, this is a bigger river, but I'm just trying to show the examples of, of what a, a river development opportunity could look like. Manchester, Iowa, it's a smaller town. But again, they put a series of six different drops at a low head dam site. You can see again 2012 and how they stair-stepped it up above the dam site. We create these pinch points. Again, here's what it looks like today. So all of these, um, these river tours that I've been on and, and the engineers and what I'm presented at with all of our river meetings in Iowa, it's for every person in the water, there's seven to eight people on the bank watching. You know, that's these, these attractive places that are cool or what people want to be at for multiple reasons. You can, again, you can see people swimming and kayaking and tubing and um, fishing. But again, it's the stone terrace, easy access, um, safe design. And then right here in uh dish down the road from Lawrence, uh, Topeka, Kansas, this is a project I was pretty heavily involved with. The stone terracing on the left uh, where the two kids are playing, it's, uh, that's the Topeka weir. This was a notch that was cut through the weir to provide safe passage. You can't see it in this picture, the water was a little high. But two drops were created to create that um, that passage. A fish ladder was incorporated into this design as well. But again, it's, this was um, limestone, routed limestone. That's st- and I wish I had a better picture to show you. I apologize, but if anybody has is in the north um, north side of the river, south side of Highway 24 in Topeka, it's worth a drive uh, down there to see what this site looks like now. Before this site was developed, I would drive down there and see. Everybody would scatter. Um, you know, there was some not very pleasant stuff going on. And now you walk down there and it's families and kids out and joining um, the new access and the beautiful spot. So Topeka did a great job with the Topeka Weir. And then here, just another example in Pueblo, Colorado, on the Arkansas River. This was a 14-foot tall dam that Scott Shipley was um, the designer on. Again, creating these stone terraces, these stone pictures, And again, look at the number of people walking their dogs in there with a kayak, out there fishing, all enjoying that that, that attractive place. So those are kind of the water, the the river improvement or the river development ideas I was we've been kicking around just to help paint a picture. Um, To get a designer here to do a a feasibility study and a conceptual, it's about 15 to $20,000. That would help say if this is worth pursuing a little further. And this is it's nothing that we're asking coming to the city and asking for money for. I think it's something that we would do you know, privately with private fundraising to help get Scott Shipley with S2O design in the area. But it's something that Derek thought that we, we need to present to the advisory board. And I'd like to introduce Bob Marsh here with the Great Blue Heron Outdoors. And uh, Bob, Bob and I have had some discussion on this. So Bob, take it away.
9: Okay. Um, about six months ago, we opened Great Blue Heron Outdoors on Mass Street uh, to be a fishing and paddling shop, also a coffee shop. So a lot of people come in to talk. And, And a very common theme is where can I go to fish in a river? I don't have a boat. You know, I'm a student. I'm in an apartment. I don't have room. I want to wade and fish. Where can I go? And like Aaron was saying, in Kansas, the options are just so limited. Um, so there's, there's a couple of things we'd like to do if this project, you know, gets to move forward. You know, one would be that, you know, that we could host a public meeting in the store to try to raise some money. Uh, and we're also going to, uh, you know, if this is approved, look for donations from customers and try to let them show support for a waiting opportunity, you know, 10 minutes from Lawrence um, with some contributions that they could make to help fund that feasibility study that Aaron was talking about.
8: Uh, Derek, is there anything that you wanna wanna bring back to the table here?
2: Yeah, um, Bob or Aaron, um, let's say everything, the stars align, the feasibility comes back, community says, yes, we love it, it's a great idea. What kind of money are you looking at for a project and how are you looking at funding something like that?
8: You know, without the design, without Scott coming back and giving us an idea, he hasn't really, until a conceptual is put in place, I can't put a, put a dollar amount on that. You know, just informally talking with him and seeing that the, the amount of infrastructure that's in place already with the road and the outhouses or the, the bathrooms, it would be more of trail type to get down to the river, safety improvements, stone terracing. So I can't throw out a number, but compared to the other sites that we've looked at in Kansas, this one looks by far one of the most um, economical sites that's already set up for something would be if the feasibility came in with a conceptual, we would have to go back to the core. You know, if Lawrence said, Hey, we're ready to roll through that. Everything looks great. Uh, depending, depending if um, where of the money's coming from, it's still ultimately the decision of the core because, you know that channel was created to get the the high water, the floodwaters as quickly out of there as possible. So it would have to come in with um, a lot of eyes from the Corps of Engineers giving it the blessing.
2: As an amenity
8: based on the uh, cubic feet per
2: second released from the Clinton Lake Dam, how much time of a year would that actually be usable by the public for tubing
8: or kayaking? again i think it depends on the it'll have to come back into feasibility study you know what i think in the winter time it's a seven cfs minimum stream flow and summer time is 25 cfs but uh, scott when he looked at the, the corps of engineers he wasn't initially like no this is not a good idea because it's multiple uses at that point right so at certain flows maybe it's a, a tubing opportunity or someone in a kayak or maybe it's a, a fast fishing opportunity but when it hits seven cfs in the winter time maybe it's an t- opportunity to work with the, the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks for a, a trout stocking program and maybe it's a trout fisherman's paradise at that point so I think depending on the flows it offers different opportunities at different times okay, but again it would have
9: when... to...
8: right Oh, now. go ahead Bob
9: one comment on the on the fishing and fundraising front, you know, in a, you know, there's a lot of a lot of investment in other states in fish habitat, and in a lot of the mountain states, you know, the tailwaters, you know, the, water, the streams below the dams end up being, you know, the very best fishing or some of the best fishing in the state, and so you know, and it's it's almost, I mean, the idea of a tailwater stream in Kansas, I think if you mentioned that to people, they'd say, well, that's that's silly you have to go to Colorado and I think if we you know if we presented this opportunity, I think a lot of the donations and things that go to to trout habitat and fish habitat in other states, um, maybe some of that would come here and and if you know as this could could exist with you know even if the flow is low, just having flow, having a little bit of flow in the winter, you know a little bit in the summer, you know, that creates so many additional opportunities for fishing and just for wading and catching minnows and and just a fun place uh, to be for kids, for adults. So I think it could get real good traction with sort of the fishing audience um, that we're building a tailwater in Kansas.
1: Roger Steinbrock, marketing supervisor. Um, I just want to remind everyone to state their name, and uh, you know, uh, each time you speak, just to let the people on TV that are watching know. And I'll turn it back over to uh, the chairperson.
0: Uh, Val, I see you have a question. Your hands raised.
1: Um,
5: this is uh, John Nelbandian, board member. Oh, um, wondering from there. Oh, I'm sorry, Doug.
10: Oh, that's okay. Oh. I, I did my electronic hand. Um, <laughs> I was just going to bring up the dog park, um, which is on the north side of the bank. Would you be, because are, people with dogs are already going down there, even though it's kind of dangerous now just to get down. Um, are you proposing to terrace that side too, or just the south side where the Fisher people usually
8: are. I think everything's on the table. It would just be what the designers would come up with in a feasibility and a conceptual plan. And it could be what I've seen in other instances or depending on funding.
10: (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. I think I didn't say my name, Val (laughs) Renault, board member. Uh, My second question was, have you been working with the, we had a group present to us about the river downtown and doing some more development there. So I didn't know if you were working with that group and I don't remember their name, If someone else does.
2: And Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Rec. Thank I think you Steve Evans and uh, Friends of the Call, obviously, I, I think you have worked with Don and um, Kim
8: from Friends of the Call. Yes, Aaron Dieters. Yes, I, I have, especially in my previous position, with the Kansas River Access Coordinator when I was with Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks.
5: Uh, this is John, now Bandian board member. Uh, this all sounds pretty interesting and attractive. Derek, what do you need from the advisory board at this point?
2: Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. <coughs> it's something that uh, I wanted to bounce off the advisory board and get your thoughts and perspective. Um, it's emphasis. I think uh, this group was looking at um, their next steps and, and an opportunity to make it public, and this is an opportunity for them to bring this to light in the public in a forum, but yet one level below going to a city commission. So I, I think this is the proper forum for them to introduce their concept and idea as they move forward for fundraising, um, but I wanted to get your perspectives and thoughts on this idea
5: Okay, I, for one, think it's a pretty good idea.
3: Uh, Jackie
0: Becker, Pat Chair. Phillips. Oh, Excuse me, Jackie. Pat, you can go first, I'll go after.
4: All right, Pat Phillips, board member. Um, Aaron, I was just curious, curious, you said you worked on the project in Topeka. Is that correct?
8: This is Aaron Dieters. I'm sorry, can you repeat that? I didn't, you cut out.
4: Um, I As I understood, you worked on the project in Topeka?
8: Correct. Yes.
4: Um, what was the funding source for that?
8: So there was multiple funding sources. Um, a lot of it came directly from Topeka. Uh, there was a Coast Guard grant that was initially in place. Uh, Coast Guard changed its... The Coast... I'm sorry, something popped up here. I, I was starting the recording, sorry. Oh, sorry. The Coast Guard changed its... its um, rules for match. So we had to go back to the drawing board and ended up a half million um, from the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks. It was 300,000 from a state wildlife grant for the fish passage and another 200,000, I believe from O&M. And then the, I think the rest of it came
3: directly from the city. Thank you.
0: Uh, Jackie Becker chair, a couple of questions. Um, So I saw in some of those other pictures, it looks like there's a lot of trails going down to it. We need to create, would trails have to be created to allow access to these rivers? Is there a lot of trees around that area or no?
8: Uh, This is Aaron Dieters. Yes, there are are a lot of trees, but the trails I think kind of lay out the, some of the initial placement of those um, access points. You know, you'd be looking at some type of access down to the river up above. Or a vessel put in or a tube or just additional fishing access points and then below and above. Yeah. I think everything could be done through the trees.
0: And then this might be more for parks and rec. I'm not really sure, but obviously the dog park, lots of people participate very particular with the safety and wellness of their animals. Do you at all see this as having any issue or do we need to make sure we're working with the dog park people on this? So we're not, dropping something on them from parks and rec well you know with a big change and make sure that they're made aware of we're looking into this
2: director from parks and recreation i i totally agree that we need to have that discussion with them even though it's signed off that they're not supposed to take their dogs down there people do take their dogs down from the north side um so yes that's part of the public engagement and I would encourage bob or aaron and work to reach out and we probably have some good contact names that would get them in touch and if the trails were safe to get down looking at the access from the south side we have um, a road that goes back there we have a shelter that goes back there we have i believe restrooms back there although they're uh, not flush but they are restrooms um There is easier access, I believe, that could be had from the south side, but I could see trails um, potentially on the north side, maybe more work just looking at the size of the banks.
1: Roger Steinbrock, marketing supervisor. I uh, Chairman, I would uh suggest that, you know, in terms of as this project moves along, and if they find funding. Then we would have community engagements. And that's probably one of the groups that we would be talking with as we continue to develop the relationship with Aaron and his group and and, in the development of the plans and everything. And I I would suggest that we probably have that meeting prior to the design to just to make sure that they are understanding, Aaron, what you're wanting to do. We do have an extensive list of people that have participated in uh, outreach that we've done over the years at the Don park um, and as they've stated they're very active, and so we want to make sure that their their involvement is is at the front of this whole project.
4: This is Pat Phillips again, board member. I think that this probably goes without saying that safety is is a big issue relative to water. Um, And with the um, release of of water coming off of uh, the Clinton Lake, you know, I've been down there at the times that this happened, and it's quite powerful. In fact, it was a tragic thing that occurred in that area of drowning of a young man at one point. And so I just I think that will be something that will be real important to me in looking at this. If it's going to be a high use area, how do we keep people safe when that water is released?
9: Um, if I may, this is Bob Marsh, um, and to that point, I saw a directory of of you know rivers to to paddle in in Kansas, and it actually talked about this falls as a exciting kayaking stretch in high water and I, I showed that to Aaron and it just looked so outrageously dangerous and irresponsible um, this would be a way to to bring a little bit of control to you know to that you know that structure in that area um, if it is now at least in some places promoted as a great place to go take your kayak in the flood you know we probably want to uh, help people have a different view of it
8: and this is Aaron Dieters, and to add to that, other river opportunities for access um, involved the local fire departments, for example. Um, on the Kansas River, working on one site in particular comes to mind because they were they were very excited to have an access point where they could get emergency vessels onto the river, and it helped break those distances up. You didn't have to figure out how to maneuver a boat down in, in certain high flows if you had some type of emergency access immediately, that could help.
11: Um, this is Marilyn Hull, board member. I want to come back to the question of kayaking opportunities and such on the Kansas river um, near the dam. I know Sarah Hill Nelson and others have been promoting the idea of um, of doing a project there. and. I don't, it's maybe not necessarily an either or, but I'm kind of curious, Derek, do you know, if is that project dead or are people still working on that?
2: Uh, Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. We have been approached by one group that had requested um, to use a special permit. And north by the boathouse, Katie Boathouse, and use their docks, which we don't own the docks, we could issue a permit for them to do a summer kayak or canoe leasing leasing opportunity there I've also been in contact with other parties I haven't talked to uh, Sarah lately about it but I do have other parties below the dam that are very interested in um, establishing a business for kayaks and canoes across the river Um, I know that Ideally, MSO will complete the South Side of the River project this fall. Potentially, it won't be until next year in 23. Um, And I think that would be the perfect opportunity to get that below the dam moving. Above the dam for the dam, or uh, above the dam by the KU boathouse, um, I forwarded the request to KU to consider um, could and outside entity rent space from us be permitted and use their boat docks and not interfere with their rowing. Um, I just need to follow up. I haven't heard back from them yet, but they did, did accept the request. So at some point, I think there will be stuff down there. And the great thing is somebody else will be providing it and we'll provide them the opportunity in the space.
11: Great, yeah, thanks. Yeah, I think this is an interesting opportunity. Um, I'm kind of curious about your fund, fundraising ideas for your feasibility study because ten to twenty thousand dollars is a lot of money to be raising, in, you know, in ten and twenty-five dollar increments. Um, do you have any grant sources or other uh, private individuals that you have lined up that could maybe contribute larger chunks to this?
8: This is Aaron Dieters. Yes, I've um, explored, had some preliminary discussions with other potential sources that I think could help at least kick off, you know, half of it right out of the gate.
9: Great. Thanks. Um, If if I could, this is Bob Marsh. And just to mention one other thing on the habitat front that I'm, I'm, Aaron may have mentioned, but just, just to be sure, you know, one difference between this and some of the other river projects is and that the reason the tailwater was in Colorado was so good, is that they're taking water out of the bottom of a reservoir, and and putting it into the stream. So, through the summer, even if the flow wasn't real heavy, it's going to be very cool water. It'll still be cool by the time it gets you know to this. For people looking for a cool place to, you know, to be in the summer, you know, I I don't know exactly what the water temperature you know would be at this point, but it would surely be in the sixties, maybe high sixties. So, so another element of this is it would be cool water um, below the dam. I just wanted to be sure to mention that.
3: Any other questions for Aaron or Bob?
0: So are we looking now for a motion um, to move forward? Or is it just, we're just saying as a board, we're this is something we should be looking into.
2: Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. I, I think just a show of hands, is there anybody opposed to them at the initial stages? And I think it's received a fairly warm, we're okay, let's, you can start your next steps um not your your public what your feedback will kind of speak for itself and
1: um uh, my my question roger Steinbruch, marketing supervisor to aaron are you wanting some some kind of support from the board as part of this presentation in in kind of a motion
8: this is Aaron Dieters. No, not necessarily. I th- I think, you know, just discussions with Derek previous is at what point can and Bob and I start talking about this without um, somebody coming back and saying, hey, we didn't know anything about this. What are you doing? So
2: I'm Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. We did have the core on the phone. We did talk to the core. <clears throat> I think they were were open to the idea they do have restrictions on within a hundred feet of the dam outlet on swimming. Um, I'm sure as part of your project at the next step or during the uh, study, uh, looking at the impact of say low water flows and impact on the, uh, the wildlife the fish, you know, is there a higher level of anaerobic water that's gonna cause us problems? Cause we're not Pueblo, Colorado with the high flow um, things like that, I would assume would be part of this, would be a study of the wildlife and impacts of changing that and what happens with your fisheries.
3: Aaron Dieters, yeah, correct. We can sure
8: bring that up.
1: Oh, I got Michael on the right hand. Oh, Michael, um, Jackie.
0: Uh, Michael, did you have a question? Or something to share.
1: I would say uh, that we're moving to public comment. If okay. you,
0: All right, so we're moving to public comment now. So, Michael, do you have anything you'd like to share? <laughs> Thanks. I'm <Okay. laughs> still getting the hang of it.
7: <laughs> Thank you, Ms. Becker. Thank you. This is Michael Allman. Uh, just to clarify and add to a few of the things that have been said, um, there was a question about the similar kinds of activities on the Kansas River And I think this is getting pretty exciting. Actually, there's any number of things going on when somebody asks a question about, well, that project or which project, there's several. (laughs) Um, If you wanna talk to um, Sarah Hill Nelson or Mike Logan, Mike Logan of Abe and Jake's, uh, some of you may already know that they are in the process of they've designed and I think even now constructing water access for fishing and kayaks below the dam in the Kansas River. So that's one project. Another project, the city is going to make a trail along the construction road for the work that's being done below the dam. That's going to be an access trail from east of the Marriott uh, right to the base of the dam. And then the project that I, I am involved with, and I'm not sure if somebody was wondering that group who's working on the project, I'm involved with a group called Riverfront and Center. Uh, the project name itself is Kaw River Commons. And now I'm not speaking for them at this point. i am just got on this call because I was curious for my own interests, because I'm interested in these things. But the project we're doing isn't about... Um, sporting activities and whatever on the river itself that's being done by the city and by Mike Logan and Sarah Hill Nelson. What we're working on is access to the river. It's a connectivity project that includes any number of trails, including the Lawrence loop, um, ADA accessible concrete trails that connect Bircham park uh, to the Santa Fe train station, to downtown, to the riverfront itself, and with a bridge for pedestrians and bicyclists across the river. So it's, it's an access project. It's, it's making it available for people to engage in these various on-river activities. And one of the things we've included in our uh, plan that may or may not happen is uh, kayak storage uh, right above the dam. So there's any number of moving parts here, but I just wanted everybody to be aware how many different things are being discussed. And I find this potential project pretty exciting too. Um, I'm not familiar enough to really say anything knowledgeably about it, but uh, I'd like to see what might develop. So thank you. Thanks
0: for your commentary, Michael, and for the additional information about other things happening with our waterways. Any last questions from anybody? All right, well, uh, Aaron, thank you. Bob, thank you. Uh, it's really kind of exciting. And I guess, will you keep us updated as you get working on your uh, getting your monies together for that initial uh, evaluation that they're looking at so we can kind of know where you're at with it.
8: You thank you. Thanks. Thanks,
9: guys. Okay. Thank you.
0: So, obviously, you're welcome to stay for the rest of our meeting, but if not, uh, we're going to move on to number two, which is the informational review, uh, the ETC questions. On
12: the website.
1: Down here? The web, no, the Chrome.
2: Chrome. Okay. And Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. I'm going to share my screen. And walk through a little bit on the ETC. It's been a while since we've looked at it. And
1: why is it doing this to me? There we go, because we're not two screened. <laughs> yeah. That's that one,
2: that one you yeah.
3: Okay.
2: So to bring everybody up to speed. Um, we did an ETC survey. ETC stands for the name of the Institute. I can't tell you what the three letters stand for, but every year we do a, a survey, or we, we will from now on. And this survey question should go out late spring, early summer of this year. Questions are being reviewed by staff. It has been highly discouraged by the ETC Institute and by our staff that, that hosted modify the existing questions because questions in the survey tied to benchmarks, which we use to compare with other cities on how are we doing, for example, with Parks and Rec and MSO and and other services from the city. With the uh, updated strategic plan outcome of unmistakable identity for Parks and Recreation, there are some gaps with the data and our um, PKIs, which are our our baseline for our our, uh, key indicators, key progress indicators on what we're doing. So we will need to add a few questions, but the space to add questions is very limited. Um, There's also a capability of, you know, there might be big questions out there. For example, you know, do we want to do a big project, a major project, and see what kind of appetite there is for that in the community? Um, With that being said, I thought about trying to go through the questions. The questions from the past are probably gonna be really, really similar to what we see in the future when they go forward this uh, spring to late summer, or early summer. So I wanted to go back through the presentation that went to the city commission in March of 2020 from the questions from 2019 on uh, where are we as a parks and rec department. So based on that, let me scroll through this. There's a couple of slides that I want us to, to follow up on. Um, the survey goes out, out of a population of 800 surveys. In 2019, they got 867 out there. They look at our demographics. Uh, here's how our survey, our last one, compared demographically to the community and how they uh, went out. You can look at where they went. They they tried to do a good great job of getting around that the community and to a different area. Um, they also are looking at strategies of getting uh, surveys out to the uh, homeless population. Make sure that their thoughts are in the survey. So the big picture items. Let me blow this up. Is what are the perceptions of the community? And I will try to focus on. Uh, parks and rec for this perception of downtown which is part of our unmistakable identity Uh, the purple this area is um, very satisfied and the lighter blue is satisfied so you add those two together that pretty much tells you how we're doing the neutral and dissatisfied is the gray to the red so people are pretty happy and satisfied with downtown uh, again, this is pre-COVID, so things might have changed in the last couple of years on perceptions. Um, downtown Lawrence special events and parades, uh, 34% very satisfied, 43% satisfied, uh, 77%. That is a great number. Do you feel safe downtown? Availability of park, uh, bicycle parking, other things. Let's go to the major categories. And Let's see. Um, oh, there we go. Overall quality of the state's parks and recreation system. Uh, 30% are very satisfied. 47% satisfied. Comes up to 84% overall, and we'll get down to the baselines here pretty quick. And you can compare how we look to the Kansas City metro area and how we compare it nationally. Okay, major categories of service. This is where the parks and rec came in. Okay, so overall quality of the city parks and recreation system, 23% of it was above the national average. national average was 61%. Kansas City metro area was at 75, but we're still 9% above that. So as we look at our strategic plan and how we do things, how we get intentional, how we apply our resources, You know, do we try to go for 85% or 89% and how much resources would it take to move that needle in a positive direction or in another direction? So what metrics are we looking at? But that's uh, one of the metrics in our uh, key progress
3: indicators. And this gets more into our uh, Lawrence versus the U.S. versus Casey metro area.
2: I find it interesting just to look at the data, and I will be very interested to see how the uh, 2022 data survey comes back. Go down the trends. This uh, presentation is out there um, on the City of Lawrence websites. It's also got last year or the 2019 survey questions. And why is this important? Not only does it tie to our strategic plan, it also ties to um, our master plan and where we're going in the future. So that's why I bring up the ETC and uh, just wanted to to bring that to our attention that the surveys will be coming out again and um, maybe one of the lucky people to get a survey. 800 out of 100,000, not a lot of surveys. Um, you can go through it and it breaks down how it's rated in different
3: formats.
2: <laughs> what people felt was important. Not um, very interesting thing on satisfaction. If you're really happy with parks and recreation, you don't list it as something that is really important. Um, I trying not remember which slide that's on. Communications, I would say that uh, we can always do better. Um, we had a lot of parks and rec guide and things have changed, but it, that was one of the things that overall as a city, we need to do a better job with communication. And with that, I will open it up to any questions, thoughts, comments. I see John's fingers coming out.
3: John, you're you're good to speak. You're muted.
12: I'm sorry, Derek. Can you hear me now?
2: I can hear you now. Yes.
12: Okay. John Glosick, board member. You said 800 surveys were sent out to 100... Out of 100,000 people, only 800 surveys went out?
2: 867 went out in 2019. Their goal is 800, roughly.
12: How many were turned in out of those 800?
2: I think that might be why they sent out 867 because they need to get a 800 back.
12: So you're talking 0.8% the survey represents our town? Is that right? Got these answers?
2: Um, I'd have to look at the website again hold
12: on uh,
11: meanwhile Marilyn hall board member uh, john they probably use a statistical sampling technique that is reliable and verifiable you know a lot of times with these types of surveys it's actually possible to only survey a smaller number of people but by the way you've constructed your sample you have a pretty high degree of confidence that it's a representative sample of the community. So I wouldn't be worried about that number in absolute terms. I think they list an error report that plus or minus 3% 3 or something like that is their margin of error. I
12: think it's pretty good. I just look at those numbers and those are pretty small numbers for the entire community of what we got to get better at or what we do well that that's from my data and school numbers that's pretty small number 0.8 percent if all 800 turn back the, this, uh, is, this is john now bandian i want to um reinforce what marilyn said
5: uh, if you look at the etc website it's very informative of 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 this whole of their whole process how many times they've done this how many jurisdictions how confident they are? I mean, they are—they are very, very reputable across the country.
2: Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. The uh, sample survey was a margin of error 3.3% with a 95%, uh, three point three percent with a ninety-five percent three-point margin of error, plus or minus minus three point three percent at the ninety-five percent level of confidence. So they're they're very good at what they do and how they do it to represent the demographics.
12: John Blazek, board member. John, when you were on the city commission, is that how they ran surveys around the community?
5: When I was on the city commission, we didn't do surveys. Okay. The reason why I know ETC is that one of our graduates was a honcho at uh, ETC and how they've uh, grown over the years and how these citizen surveys have become very very common. I think Olathe actually does one every quarter, uh, uh, asking questions about specific, you know, specific issues that they have. Um, so, thank you. Oh. And I know, I know that our city manager is very data-driven. And so this is not something, the results here are not something that's just gonna sit on the shelf. Uh, I'm sure Craig is gonna push it. And I'm sure that Derek already has had that experience with Craig to know. Roger, Director of Parks Recreation, yes.
2: And there's a, our Ask, our unmistakable identity groups. They're working on uh, a lot of its equity and inclusion questions that we haven't been tracking in the past. Be new questions that go along with the survey to give us key progress indicators for our outcome area. So um, it will get
3: used.
0: So, Derek, when are these surveys going out, and when will we then be presented with the information, or will you be presented with it?
2: Uh, Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. Um, from what I've been told by the communications, um, for example, we're getting additional questions that haven't been uh, benchmarked in the past for our outcome area. Those are due back to City Hall by February twenty fifth when we had the etc institute contractor representative on our phone call with the executive team um, it was implied that the surveys would go out six to eight weeks after they get the final questions from the city so i'm thinking that's going to put it in may june time frame that surveys should be mailed out interviews going on i'm not sure how long it takes them to collect that data back and get a report to the city Looking at the 2019 data, it looks like it was kind of rounded up around November and then they had a PowerPoint presentation that went to the city commission in March. So I'm assuming we're probably pushing on the same timelines.
5: Uh, This is John Nelbandian, board member. You know, I think um, the ETC survey is the ETC survey. I mean, it's... It's, it's it's notable because of the benchmarking of possibilities. And as Marilyn said, because of the reliability. There may be questions that we would like to ask that are not on the ETC survey, that we could, uh, I presume, approach the uh, city manager and he might approach other departments who might have specific questions that they would like to ask um, that could go out in a different survey. So I think that's one possibility. I think another possibility that I would be very interested in is that if we could do some kind of engagement, which is like a budget exercise, which is sort of like focusing on parks and rec. So for example, getting a group of people together and saying, Okay, you got $100 to spend here, uh, or whatever, 100 units, and then give them all the parks and rec possibilities. Uh, where would you want to spend more money uh, today? I mean, we can do a, a lot of stuff like that that might be interesting and fun uh, that would kind of complement the ETC survey, but wouldn't have to influence the way the ETC survey is going.
2: Direct, Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. <clears throat> that was a great comment, John. And one of the things that um, could be contemplated is you know, if, if there's a, a burning question that, you know, we need answered for Parks and Recreation, um, you know, there might be space to tap that really big question on, you know, um, do we remodel the pool, which yeah, it's coming due here in the next few years? And make it a destination, whatever. And you know, what's that going to cost? You know, is there an appetite in the community or is there something we're missing that's really big in the community? You hate to go down a road of we're gonna do this, and the community goes, We didn't want to spend $10 million on that. Are you crazy? I'd much rather know before we even go down that road. That, that's what you're getting at too, John. Um, you know, sidewalks is a great example of where's the community really feel about about That issue, and um, is that something that we say yes? This is something everybody wants. We want it all fixed. Or I, I just came back from Boulder, Colorado, and I love their bike paths and their their uh, multi use paths best anywhere I've seen. But their sidewalks and their neighborhoods are just terrible. So they put their priority on on this, and I love this. Once I get out of the neighborhoods. Um, so where's the city priorities? And those are the kind of questions that if we've got one burning question for the department, what is it? And let's see if we can't get
3: it on the survey.
2: So I'd encourage you if you've got a burning question, shoot shoot me an email and uh, you know we can have some discussions. Good,
12: John.
5: Uh, this is John Albanian board member again. Derek, I think um I would be surprised, well, I think we need a question on the ETC survey about uh, homeless, homelessness and how the city is doing with that. And because they, they've got to be concerned about ETC, I mean, of all the jurisdictions that they're dealing with, there's got to be interest in how those jurisdictions are dealing with homeless questions. And, and so I would approach them on that.
2: Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. I will we'll bring that up with uh, Danny Walters. That's and she may already be working on that. So they may already have a question running with that category, but that's a great one.
0: Uh, Jackie Becker, Derek, another question or I just wonder about is have any other cities already done this and, and seen results? Because obviously with COVID, I think that certainly has us all thinking in a very different way than we were thinking. Perhaps when we answered the, the questions, got answered or written years ago, do we know if they're incorporating something related to COVID and how that affects or does not affect the survey, and and how would it, you know? Where do we go with it based on that? Because we might all be feeling quite different than we felt a few years ago.
2: Derek Rogers, director for Parks and Recreation, the Ask Porter that to see if if he's had any interactions or he can ask uh, ETC about that same thing. It goes back to what we do. Um, uh, People join Parks and Recreation to be a programmer. They went to KU to uh, work with sports medicine or do recreation. And this is their dream. And then they end up doing other things. And they're going, but that wasn't part of my dream. And so there's a job satisfaction, and then you throw in COVID. Well, that wasn't part of my dream to tell people to put your mask on. Um, So there's a lot of factors in the COVID, and I'm hoping we're near the end of it. But thank you, Jackie. I'll ask uh, Porter on that one.
0: Any other questions or comments regarding the ETC surveys from a few years back that we just looked at? All right. Well, if we're all ready, we'll move on to number three, which is the update on the 2017 master plan, current future capital improvement plan, AKA CIP projects. I feel like that's...
3: World?
2: Yep. I'm Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. I'm going to uh, team up uh, before we get started on, on the whys and where we are. Um, where we are and where we're going. Our first master plan for the department was completed in 2000. And our current master plan was started in 2016 and completed, approved by the city commission in 20, March of 2017. So it took almost a year to get it from beginning to end first step in a master plan begins with the request for proposals so we'll get to that in a little bit in 2002 parks and rec had a master plan developed for the Corps of engineer lease property where eagle band golf courses ysc Butt Run, that's point all that stuff and that's great but that plan's over 20 years old and look at all the users that keep coming back you know whether it be let's expand the dog park, let's do more with the youth sports, let's do, the amphitheater has been on the plan for a while and we are working on doing something there. But I think it's time we really gotta get that remaster plan too, and have the community engagement and where they wanna see us go with it. Um, master plans are meant to be updated every five years and provide coverage for 10 years. Uh, so our first master plan, we went way beyond uh, its life, whereas it's also economically uh, more financially feasible to update at five years as recommended than wait till it's out of date. Uh, master plan is a tool for prioritization and planning of projects and resources. It must be considered in the context of the other city needs and budget realities in each annual budget. and. That is developed by the city manager and then approved by the city commission given those projects and staffing levels in this plan uh, may shift may likely shift over the course of the plan horizon it must be in sync with the city's adopted strategic plan and other needs over time so now we have a uh, new strategic plan and we have a new horizon plan horizon 2020 finished and we have horizon 2040 comprehensive master plan for the city of lawrence and development enhancements and so it needs to be uh, aligned with both of those for the future both the short-term mid-term and long-term uh, the community supported master plan provides guidance for future development maintenance policy development and funding delivery of the city services and identifies opportunities and the 10 year vision of the city of Lawrence. we um, pretty well talked about that. At this point, I'm going to let Mark go ahead and tell us about our existing plan, where we are, what we've done, and what's in the CIP. So, here's Mark.
6: Hello, everybody. Mark Hecker, Assistant Director of Parks and Rec. Can you see my screen there? Is it big enough,
2: Derek Rogers Parks Recreation? Can you make it a little
6: bigger? How am I doing? That's All right. So this is the scorecard out of our current master plan. In this first section, the goals talks about program and deliveries. So a lot of these are ongoing things where we can't check it and say, "Sure, we did it." But if you look through here, you'll see a lot of things that we've worked on. So a lot of it, you know, more hobby programs, looking at doing more special events, developing bike path safety programs. So this, this up here is a little harder to check off. When we go down into this section, the goal number two starts talking about capital improvements. This is where we've actually done, a, in my opinion, a really nice job of starting to check these things off. So... The master plan actually identified certain things that should be done. So here at Holcomb, you know, at parking lots, we have all sorts of things. So what we've done is come here, as we go through our CIP, we'll just check these off. So every time we have an item here, we try to get it into the CIP. So you'll see this one is out in, I think, 2026. But here we did parking lots, we did interior renovations. We have a major enhancement coming. So we've done a pretty good job of knocking out most of the short-term goals that was identified in that master plan. Community building, we replaced all the HVAC. We worked on interiors. We have an enhancement coming. Here's where I want to point out the master plan is starting to get old. So currently in the CIP, we have this at 900,000. So a lot of the numbers are starting to get old in in the current plan. Lawrence Loop talks about differing sections. So we've been just kind of walking down the list. Haven't done them exactly in the order, but there's progress being made all the way through. Land acquisition is one area where we've been pretty deficient in identifying funding and making that a priority. I think we probably need to get to that in the fairly near future because the the city's grown out to where our our furthest out park properties are. We need to be outside of the the, uh, city limits in the urban growth area to start identifying potential there. We updated the pro shop at the golf course this talks about a longer term thing of adding more golf that number is probably too low now historic structures we have the carnegie building in the cip we did work on the pacific depot we've talked about trying to just identify a blanket item for historic structures there's other historic structures in the city that maybe aren't listed in our task list so the grover is an example um, you know, the community building exterior is an example. Brick pavers, we completed that project. It was a four-year project to replace all the pavers downtown. Planters are in the, the downtown master plan. Finding a downtown event space is another item that I think we highlight as, you know, if we're going to do all these events, we ought to have a way to effectively manage those at a specific site. Spray Parks, we're walking down the list on these. We, Burroughs Creek, will go in this May. By this May, Lions Park has a, a, a engineer hired for that one, so those are moving right along. Again, dollars are wrong, so we know we're closer to four hundred thousand instead of two hundred thousand. Uh, in the CIP, we have one identified out west. We have another one identified for upgrading the South Park. Uh, It just kind of goes on down the road. Here's where the outdoor pool painting, yes. Replace the old slides in the CIP. Here's the major renovation. It was 2 million here. We have 4 million estimated here. That may even be a little bit low. So a lot of updating CIP is keeping us current so that we can actually lay these things into the, the, the master plan is right with the CIP. Amphitheater is a long-term goal. We haven't accomplished that, but the whole point of this is we've been doing a pretty good job checking off a number of these items. These smaller neighborhood parks, you know, some of these are just getting them lined up in, in a CIP year. So that's the kind of the capital items. And then this master plan also talks about organizational efficiencies, things that we could do to make us a little more efficient. So everything from increasing minimum wage, you know, we we're trying for a goal of 1050. That goal's kind of come and went almost. We were, we're pushing up near $15 an hour on maintenance. Rex finally trying to move their, like the lifeguards up this year, but it's a significant cost item that's probably not high enough if we were again going through the master planning process these are kind of how do we support with staff so we added a second direct assistant director we added a a manager to do internal services we talked about a human resource person dedicated we haven't accomplished a finance manager we haven't done this with the goals of you know having a specific person targeted towards sponsorships, partnership alliances, and grants. Customer service is another area that's identified.
3: I'm going to stop there
6: and then switch over to more current.
3: Can so you see in the orange screen now? Project list. Yes.
6: So this is working on our CIP current. So let me just give you just a five minute update on these. So to Victor Park, we've already done a PO to start extending trail over there. That's in process. Eisenhower Park, we've also cut the POs to do a new trail in Eisenhower Park, which is the one behind the police station. We call it Eisenhower because that's the name of the street next to the park. It doesn't officially have a name. So um, this money for roads is allocated to, to improve our worst parking lots and worst roads. We're still in the process of identifying that. Youth Sports Complex will be doing more sidewalk work. Dog Park, we have money allocated to improve the restrooms and parking out there. Broken Arrow, we met with architects to try to get a handle on what we can do with the restrooms and the shelter at that park. That one, we hope, will will get designed and, and built this summer. Splash pad of lions I talked about. We hired an architect to design that park. We'll do public engagement coming up here pretty quick. Water tower park, we're kind of putting a little bit of slowdown on because until they get the actual water tower moved, there's not much need to renovate the park. We'll probably start a public engagement process later in the summer to start talking with the neighborhood on what they want to put back in. Working on courts, we've met with the Oak Hill group and doing preservation project. We have a couple of playground projects in this year's budget. the so ones at Lions and ones at Stonegate. And then the bigger trail project that's going now, if you haven't been out on the north side of town, they started the project that's going to go from Peterson Park over to Michigan, which goes actually under the McDonald Drive. And then there's another one targeted for basically Michigan to Sanders Shaw. So that's this year. We have this project. The turf on the, out at YSC is on, in hold right now. is deferred by City Commission. We've been asked to do a little more public engagement and bring it back to them. So we're working on that now. Just, you know, looking at how CIP lines out, and we'll be working on this in the next, probably month. So these are what's currently in the CIP. I won't really stop to go through all these, but you can see there's a Pretty nice laundry list. There's also a nice list of unfunded projects that we proposed that didn't get funding. There's new projects popping up that we know are gonna have to come through. Some of them are real glamorous, like the Lagoon Liner at Eagle Bend. That's, That's a pretty fun one there. Probably necessary though. 24, 25, 26, we'll be working on 27 for this next proposal. So that was a whole bunch of information, but basically point of it is that the, the master plan we have in place now, we've almost run probably 70% through on hitting the marks on it. So it'd be nice to say, okay, here's where we are now, where do we want to go in the next five to 10 years? And I think, you know, there's a lot of different uh, thought processes. Now there's a group that's really want to do something with a destination skate park. Well, that's not really in the plan. So if we want it to be a, a something in the plan, we need to get it in the plan. So I'll stop there. And if you have questions or comments or thoughts, I'd be happy to help or Derek can.
11: This is Marilyn Hull, board member. Um, Derek and Mark, what action are you looking for, if any, from the board tonight on this?
2: Okay, I'll read my spiel. What I'm trying to get to is looking for support to go ahead with the master plan and let me get you there um, where I think we are and where we're going and kind of give you some of my thoughts and some of that department direction vision that we've talked about. So as we continue to grow and evolve with the strategic uh, outcome area of unmistakable identity, identity, we are internally evolving to meet the outcome by putting more resources in this area, which includes but not limited to Special events, both internal and external, building better collaborations and partnerships with community organizations, providing more oversight of the downtown area as a special and unique area for the community and visitors. We're increasing involvement in cultural and arts community. Someday, like there's a few other departments around, we may be called the Parks and Rec, Arts and Culture Department or the uh, Parks and Rec. Cultural Arts Department. But I, I envision us going more that way as we uh, embrace the strategic plan. Update the master plan. Uh, next steps should be accomplished every five years. PR staff's done an excellent job at completing projects in the plan and are headed to where we thought we'd be five years ago. Uh, the Corps of Engineer Master Plan will probably be an offshoot of that master plan that needs to get redone, revisited. Uh, the new horizon 2040 plan needs to be accounted for in our new master plan so of everything that's going on you know our thought is that 10 years from now 15 years from now a generation looks back and says wow you have the city of lawrence the community the parks record advisory board they had their act together they went out looked at the plans they connected it to the horizon 2040 plan and They looked at some vision going out further than 10 years on how we're gonna be and how the city's gonna grow. Uh, So that's one of the next steps. So we get the master plan updated. Next, we gotta get accredited. The goal would be accredited by next fall. Part of the accreditation is you have to have a strategic plan and a master plan. We we have both of those, but the master plan needs to be updated and that's gonna give us some good direction. After accreditation, um, we submit again for the NRPA um, gold medal award. We've been a gold medal finalist every time we submitted. I think we can knock that ball out of the ball field every time we submit. But until we're accredited, I don't think we'll ever be the gold medal winner. My goal is that we submit after we're accredited, we have a new master plan, the strategic plan is completed. Um, so where are we going? We would like to have a recommendation from the advisory board that we're on the right track and we'd like to go out with an RFP to get a master plan updated. So with that, Jackie, I'll turn it back to you and see if there's a motion to support or discussion.
0: All right, so Jackie Becker here. Uh, any other questions or thoughts?
4: This is Pat Phillips, board member. So. Um, in order to do, uh, get the ma- master plan updated, I, I was part of it about six years ago. That's a group of people that worked on it. Would that be the same um, way of doing it again?
2: director Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. From what I can tell and reviewing the old RFPs and how this went on and the, the public engagement models and the working groups, yes, we will have that. And the goal is that get a master plan that is truly community centered as and it's we're going in the right direction where they want we want to buy-in of 100% we all bought into it this is where we're going as a community as department as a city and you know let's get her going so yes that's the thought I think it's going to be a long track and um, we had so far in the two master plans we had two different firms bid on those so we had young Give me a head nod. Younger or young? I can't remember. Mark on the first one from 2000, and then yeah, we had younger. it was younger? Yeah. Then we had green play on the second one, and yeah, we'll see who bids. But I'm I'm hoping that we get some different <clears throat> bidders and give the community an opportunity to see some variance from the cookie cutter potentially. Strategic plan too. Yeah, that matches the strategic plan, and that's the strategic plan is going to be a big piece of this. And we're open to your
3: thoughts. We haven't written an RFP. So.
4: I like the idea of looking for other companies to bid on this. I think it's nice to have um, other forms of um, creating a master plan.
0: Uh, Jackie Becker. Yeah, I think the one thing I would find most important is just making sure we have as much community engagement across everything, every which way that we look at it to make sure that we're getting people involved um, to help us as an advisory board to help you to make sure we're getting the most accurate information for our community.
2: I'm Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. I've, I've been uh, fortunate enough to be part of the Lang code development panel and it, it's neat to see the variety of individuals and community members that are on the selection process and i would plan on doing the same thing with our uh, unmistakable identity partners and community to help in the selection
3: process
11: this is Marilyn Hull, board member i'd like to express support for you know, doing a master plan update, do you need to like in the form of a motion?
2: Director, that'd be great if you do a motion and a vote.
11: Okay, well, I move that the department begin planning for a new, um, an updated master plan. Is that sufficient?
1: I, I think Marilyn Rogers Steinbrock, uh, Marketing Supervisor. I think it's that you uh, support the department moving forward with a master plan. That support piece is the piece that I think we need to make sure is in. It. And you had mentioned it in the first, the first before you actually did the uh, motion there. So
11: um, I can reword that. Um, Thank you. I, I... <laughs> move that the advisory board formally support development of a new master plan for parks and recreation
5: this is a john Nalbandian, board member i second that motion
0: all right so we have a first from Marilyn and a second from john regarding our support of the master plan everyone else could raise their hand if they are in agreement
2: <laughs> I see you, John.
0: <laughs> it appears the motion passes unanimously. Thank you. <laughs> all right, so is that uh, Derek, is that three and four then all together you would say on our bullet points for today. or you have more to discuss on part four? Possibility of the oh, the property at Clinton Lake, <laughs> yes. so undertaking yeah, the development of new master plans.
2: Derek Rogers, Director of Parks Recreation. and Recreation, and talk about Mark, that will probably be a spinoff, I think, that comes out of the master plan, whoever runs that process will probably uh, say, yes, you need to do that again, or that's something we'll break out and do ourselves. Uh, and Mark, do you have any other comments or thoughts on the master planning? You seem to be the continuity for, for us.
6: Arch system director. No, I think that I think just moving the whole thing forward is is always good to keep us current. You know, like I said, the numbers are important and then really identifying new needs that have popped up in the last five years. And it seems like there's been a, a bunch of them. So and it also lets the current commission identify their priority projects. So
2: John
12: John Blazic, board member. Mark, I just want to reiterate and pigtail on what you said. I've watched this very first thing when I was on this committee five years ago or six. I was really impressed with your master plans, your strategic plans. And uh, just from my background with you guys for that long, I'm really impressed with how you guys put master plans together. Lawrence is in good shape with that from a from a rec standpoint, just because you guys are pretty detailed very, you know, money conscious. So compliments to you guys. Once again, you've heard me say that before, but just coming out of the school business, you guys do a impressive job with that guys and gals. Sorry.
6: Appreciate that comment, John.
0: All right, so moving forward, um, are we talking about the lease property at Clinton Lake on number four then, or is that all part of what we're doing right here? And then we're moving on to concerns of board members right now.
3: Mark,
6: i system director. And probably what'll happen on that is the master plan identified the need to master plan the park and or other parks. So it'll probably spin after the, the main master plan so that gives us a little cover over the top if we want to come up with other parks that need to be planned.
0: Uh, Jackie Becker, so Mark, then uh, do we do master plans for other parks then all the time or is it just for like the biggest parks or does it include all parks, have ma- do they all have master plans?
6: Mark Ecker, assistant director, um, it varies. So like the property behind the police station has a master plan. There's a master plan for peterson park there's a master plan for green meadows park it usually if we're doing a significant upgrade to the park we'll go ahead and master plan it yeah if we're going to move something around part of what we're doing at Alliance park with the spray pad we're actually doing the playground also so we're going to ask the engineer to do, submit a site plan that does a, a mini site plan of that portion of the park but yeah it would be nice to have kind of a master plan for all the parks Sometime we get a little plan crazy and spend too much money on a plan.
2: Derek Rogers, Director of Parks Recreation. I think you're ready to move on to the concerns mm-hmm. of the board.
0: Let's do it. So moving on to E, concerns of the board. Anything out there right now from all of us?
10: Uh, Val Renaud, board member, and this not a concern. I just wanted to, uh, I think last meeting it was mentioned that the lifeguard salaries were going to go up or there were going to be some incentives. And it seemed like when we talked about that last year that we were told there couldn't be incentives, but I'm just glad to see that they were able to make that happen, however that happened, because I know we're gonna be in dire need of lifeguards again. And uh, thanks to Marilyn again for <laughs> her example last year. So um, so kudos to whoever and to all of you for getting that accomplished.
2: Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. Kudos go to Lindsey Hart, who's probably gonna provide that part of her update.
3: <laughs> Go ahead, John.
12: JOHN BLASIK, board member. A couple, two or three quick questions I had. I've had some people approach me, and I want to compliment. Uh, I stopped by the volleyball tournament this weekend, and there were thousands of people, thousands of volleyball players in there. But man, was it busy. But it was kind of ironic, because I know we're still in the mask. Probably there was 1% that had masks on once they got in. It was an interesting dynamics to watch. is there a position open, Derek? I've had a couple people call me and ask me, do you have a position, at um, an administrative position open?
2: Derek Rogers, director of Parks and Recreation. Um, there's currently two positions open. Um, Randy Shoemaker was the recreation manager and um, she moved on to do something else. And we had a management analyst position Uh, which Penny um, uh, Pollard had vacated. And so in trying to realign as we move forward with the strategic plan, um, Lindsay has fit out the um, recreation manager position, which was Brandy. And then the management analyst was doing more financials, but as the city added more financial resources, I think they got one or two extra people. We have extra oversight, from finance right now um, at the city hall level. So we moved that management analysts underneath recreation to address rec track and doing other uh, agreements and contractual items. So both of those are on the street to be filled right now.
12: So are they published somewhere? Where can somebody find those? For um, jobs. I don't know where to tell people. That's still-
2: Lindsay, huh? Lindsay might be able to tell you a little
13: easier. Sure. Lindsay, our assistant director. They are posted on the Lawrence website uh, on the jobs page. Okay. You can find it directly on our website. I believe it's also on the KRPA website, Indeed, and some of the other uh, local job search avenues. But yeah, it's it's on the Lawrence website. You should be able to find them there.
12: Okay. Thank you, I didn't know where to tell them. Uh, last question, I've had a person from Topeka and a person from Olathe. Can they be on this advisory board, Derek, if they apply or contact the mayor or what have you? I, I didn't know what to tell them.
2: Derek Rogers, director of Parks Recreation. Uh, Roger knows the rules better than I do, if I believe you have a Douglas County resident.
1: Yes, Douglas County resident, Roger Steinbrock, marketing supervisor. Yep. And John, that website that you're looking for is lawrenceks.org forward slash jobs, and that'll okay. take them directly to that page.
12: Okay, thank you.
3: Yep. Thank you.
0: Any other comments, thoughts, ideas from board members this month? Yeah. All right. Then we can move on to our next. I hope everyone got to read over the uh, recreation advisory board report to look at some of the numbers and what's going on with that. And then our next space is moving on to the parks division update.
2: Uh, i um, I'm Derek Roger, of Parks. Rec. Lindsay was what I give an update oh. on the aquatics for sure, and maybe. Oh. So
0: then yes, Lindsay, please take it away.
13: (laughs) Lindsay Hart, assistant director. I have just a few things uh, and thank you for mentioning that. So hopefully you all were able to read the programming programming report. Um, We've obviously been very busy and a lot going on, but yes, uh, we were able to increase the aquatics uh, pay rates. We increased across the board $2 per hour for each position. And we were very excited to be able to announce that. And uh, so those are posted. And we're really hoping that it helps with our recruitment efforts. And as you all know, it's been a struggle. And um, we're really hoping that this helps us fill some gaps. So please spread the word and, and, uh, you know, feel free to let me know if you have any questions, but we're very excited about that. Um, And as you mentioned, uh, we do have two positions open those will both uh, report uh, directly to me and the recreation division so i'm really excited to get those filled and and have a full staff, Uh, those will be posted until February 25th. so uh, just a few more weeks and then, hopefully, by our uh, next park board meeting I will be able to announce uh, some new staff members. and other than that, we opened camp. summer camp enrollment started today. So we're definitely thinking about summer here on the recreation side. So we're in full swing and and getting things moving. And that's all I had. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Lindsay. Uh, speaking of swinging, I was impressed at the number of uh, people that sign up for dancing classes. I have <laughs> no skill in that. And I was like, wow, I guess I could just take a class and figure that out. So... Thanks for that. All right. Well, now we can move on to the next update, which would be the Parks Division update, starting with Yarda.
6: Mark Hecker, Assistant Director. Um, I would, if any of you would like to update the whole board on our meeting we had, Carolyn.
11: Yes. We um, had a Zoom meeting with Nora Murphy and a handful of other people, citizens who are very interested in Liarda. We presented the recommendations that our subcommittee had developed and that this board had approved. um, And had quite a bit of dialogue about, um, about that. I think um, we had some major concerns about trying for, for the city about the city trying to take over um, the actual Laara site um, the folks representing Layarda had some counterpoints to make on um, some of our objections and um, at least nor Murphy was pretty forceful in wanting us to continue to try to engage the Burlington Northern um, railway company to see exactly what we can find out about um, either acquiring or using that property um, we pitched the idea of doing some sort of trail um, interpretive signage and or shelter in that area my impression and Val Jack, you correct me if I'm wrong, was that that group wasn't really ready to endorse those ideas as an alternative to developing the site. They're still very interested in learning about developing the site. So the last uh, we left, it was that Mark and Derek were going to work with City Legal on sending a registered letter to an executive at the railroad company to try to generate some sort of response, um, which they have not yet provided.
2: Derek Rogers, Director of Parks Recreation. Uh, Val Renault, myself um, met with uh, Nora and Steve uh, Novak at the Watson, uh, Watkins Museum via Zoom today and Nora and Steve and Bauer are going to work on crafting up a letter to present to us that, uh, for Parks and Rec to add our piece on, then we're going to make the history piece and then we'll get with legal to the, the finish that up. So um, figured the historical piece could best come from, from that group.
0: Uh, Jackie Becker, to add to that, I, uh, Nora did reach out to the East Lawrence Neighborhood Association, and I believe that they will have her on the agenda in the next month or so also. So if there needs to be additional, once the railroad letter gets out, if there needs to be any probably local push, I'm sure you'll have some volunteers who would be interested in that area, but she'll be on the schedule for Ellen I saw getting that accomplished also.
6: Mark Hecker, Assistant Director, just to move us further down the list. The downtown parklets is something uh, we kind of inherited as a department here Just first of the month. There's been multiple staff changeovers in the MSO department. And then the city's commission has expressed an interest in getting the parklets downtown uh, moving forward. So what's happening currently is the temporary resolution for those parklets expires at the end of March. Uh, what we're working on is trying to come up with a set of criteria that would extend the parklet program going forward with perhaps a charge per stall. Um, we've talked with a couple of architectural firms to see if they can draft the, the um, three-page criteria. If you want to build a parklet, here's what it has to look like, and here's the charge for it. So what I'm hoping to do on the first is, one, ask the city commission if they want to extend the program, yes or no, and then, two, if give us permission to hire a consultant to bring it back to them probably end of summer with a program that would be um, basically started, I am hoping August 15th or so. So that's where we're at and hopefully develop a a memo for the city commission here this week to get it run over there. Uh, Other updates, um, tonight's the last night to enjoy the downtown holiday lights for your Valentine's Day. So, get down there and they'll be going off tomorrow. So then I will begin the work of taking them down on Mass Street, but other than that, parks have been very busy. It's just been kind of interesting with all the, the nice weather. We've had a whole bunch of people out on the parks and in the trails, so it's good stuff.
1: Jackie, uh, we have lost our forum. Um, so we'll have to postpone them uh, to vote to cancel or to close the meeting and that stuff once we get there. So, okay. can't close and it. Since, and since this is just updates, that's good. So, we probably should have, uh, we'll probably have to do some. Um, if we're going to continue doing Zooms, we're going to have to come up with some plans on if that happens and that type of thing with folks to let them know before they leave that we need to look at those things. So, sorry, Mark.
0: All right, so then um, moving forward, are we, we just end the minute, the meeting because we need to because of quorum or do we finish the other director's section?
2: Good, Judge, Director Parks and Recreation. I think I pretty well covered everything, right? I'm pretty well engulfed and immersed in strategic plan. Um, So I I think when we're just discussing and not closing or voting on anything, we can discuss whatever we want, but but I'm open to questions. If you have questions, be happy to answer them.
3: Marilyn?
11: I, I have a que- Maryland Marilyn Hill board member. I have a question. It might be for Lindsay, but um, I guess maybe I should express a concern and probably should have done this during concerns of the board, but here I am. Um, I think n- as of next month, the leisure pool and the indoor aquatic center will be moving into its third year of not being open. Um, that's, concerning to me on several levels. Um, And I'm wondering if the aquatics staff and you are are aggressively making plans to get that facility back open.
13: Lindsay Hart, assistant director. Yes, that is definitely a concern for all of us. And it's been something that's been on my list since I started so it was it was brought to my attention right away and um, that's something we're looking at that's all part of these um, recruiting efforts uh, with the pay increases and even looking at different bonuses for different times of year if needed you know for the spring season or things like that so we're taking this first step with the pay increases and we're hoping to Uh, see a little bit of a jump there and then uh, again once we get the new um, recreation manager on board that's going to be something that I, I really want to focus on with the aquatics division so I appreciate you sharing that concern it's it's definitely something we are aware of and and would like to to see open back up.
3: Anything else, uh, advisory board members?
0: So at this point, we're looking for a motion to... No, we're oh, not. no. We're just,
1: we'll just,
0: no, end, we just, end. We just oh, end. We just end, okay. Yes. All right. <laughs> We've never done this before with no quorum.
3: I know, so. I know. Learning
0: something new again. <laughs> okay, well then uh, I'll see everybody next month for our next meeting. We'll be on Monday, March 14th at 5.30. And I guess I would advise for any of us who are here, if you have to leave early, maybe let Derek or Roger, one of us know, so we can make sure we can hopefully keep quorum to complete our meeting next week or next month. Right.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Thank you all. Bye. Bye. Thank you. you.
3: Bye. Bye.